Oh, control your mind, control your life. Think different theory, baby. That's what we do. Guys, are we, live? we are live. What's up, everybody? Oh, my word. With the incredibly, I don't know if long-awaited. It hasn't really been that long since we planned this. <laughs> two months ago. So t- much expected podcast with Mr. Russell Brunson himself. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing amazing, man. Thanks for flying all the way to Boise just for this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I'm, this is probably the conversation I'm looking forward to most Certainly in my life thus far when it comes to business and <laughs> oh, business and philosophy and everything no like that. No, well, it's funny. Your wife said, oh, thanks so much for coming out. I was like, yeah, it's certainly. Yeah, because it's inconvenience to me to fly all the way out here. I will say this is my first ever in-person interview like this. Oh, really? Yeah. Look at, we got the microphone set up. I know. Like, we have. He's professional. I've never done this. We have before. literally, we have a, a soundboard down here. We got Russell's mic. Can you guys hear us all right? By the way, guys, for all of you listening on audio, we apologize because we're going to ask for some comments in the Facebook feed here. We got everybody down here, by the way. You can see all the comments down here. What's up, everyone? All right, guys, if you are live, comment down below. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Let us know if you know Russell or if you know me or if you know both of us or what you're both looking forward to. And uh, Russell, I'm going to be honest with you. We're just going to be like super chill act. We have, guys, we have a live audience back here. We got Dave. Dave's over there. We got Jake and Nick. Where'd where'd Jake go? Jake's working. Oh, there, there we go. Jake's working late over Jake, there. Jake, by the way, designed these amazing shirts for us. Yeah, this, check uh, this out. This is my Reardon Steel shirt. This is my Who is John Galt shirt. Isn't this great? Okay, but I feel like the back. Rest of back to back, so that's already TIs. It says, uh, I stand by, I started my life with a single absolute that the world was made, uh, was mine to shape in the image of my highest values and never to be given to a lesser standard, no matter how long or hard the struggle. So, do you guys like these shirts? These are custom made for tonight. And uh, you guys may have a chance to uh, get one of these, but not yet. Or yet. No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> we'll, we'll with the ability, um, if you guys. Oh man! Oh man! <laughs> anyway, it's gonna be fun. But these are custom. We literally made these today because we're like, we need some sweet shirts and uh, um, for the for the show. So. Uh, oh, Caleb Wolf says he got your text. Did you send out a text to everybody? Do Russell's on top of that. I sent out a many chat. Russell on text. All right, guys. Um, let's lay some ground rules here. So the quick backstory behind uh, this, and it's gonna be weird. Got to look at the camera here. Uh, quick backstory yeah. behind this is I make a post on Facebook. About what? Probably three months ago now or so? Two, three months ago. And I go, uh, we need some epic people to interview for the podcast. Who do you know? Tag them all down below. And shout out Georgie. Georgie comments and goes, uh, I coached Russell Brunson. You should totally interview me. And I was like, you gotta be, you gotta be pretty gutsy to like tag Russell in your comment and tell him you coached him. <laughs> um, but uh, then Russell comments and back. George is a, is a Olympic wrestler. He uh, was on the Bulgarian Olympic team. He wrestled the Boise State with me. He's the man. So yeah. So he, uh, he got, or I call him back. I go, you coach Russell. And then Russell goes, well, yeah, he coached me. He's awesome. He's totally interview him. And so I said, yeah, Georgie, of course you can come on. We'll do an interview. But Russell, we got an open invitation to you if you want to come back on. And then, then you're like, sure. If we can talk about guns or no, you didn't say sure. You said, uh, can we do it about uh, Atlas Shrug? Yes. Yeah. Because I get interviewed a lot about business stuff and like, yeah, I'll pull the microphone just yes. slightly. I don't, I don't do a lot of interviews because, um, I feel like I've said what I want to say, uh, but I just finished. Literally, probably the fattest book in the history of books called Atlas Shrug, and I was geeking out on it, and um, and I want to talk about it. I didn't have a way or someone to geek out with other than some of my friends here, and I was like, "You want to talk about Atlas Shrug?" And I'm in, and then you start freaking out. Well, the, well, the funny thing was, is I go uh, I, something to the effect of like, "You want to talk about the fall of uh, capitalism because of a boycott, because of a brilliant person, and why socialism sucks?" Yes, absolutely, I would love to do that. To which you don't give me a yes or no answer. You reply back and go, ha ha, oh man, that'd be fun. <laughs> I'm like, talk about an open loop, man. Come on. So anyway, um, I immediately messaged Russell and I'm like, you better not be, you better not be joking because it's like, that would just be rude. He goes, no, I'm totally in. So about two months go by. You had a bunch of stuff. You had, you had some fun stuff during that time. A lot of stuff happening. Ro- Tony Robbins. 
yeah tony yeah. the man and yeah it's been it's been chaos the last couple months not gonna lie and we got as we got closer and closer to election i'm like this is an interesting conversation post-election but i think it's more interesting before election and so like was it two days ago three days ago you're like i will fight a boise yeah <laughs> record this what day do you have open i'm like only wednesday night and now it was yeah it was uh friday afternoon um, I like, we were boxing back and forth. You're like, dude, we gotta get this done before the election. I'm like, huh, before the election. <laughs> oh my word. Uh, I said, all right, sounds good. Like what, what time do you have available? And that's what I was like, you know what? I was going to ask you creatively, but I'm just going to ask you, how about I fly out to you? And you're like, heck yeah. So guys, that's the backstory. That's how we got here. Uh, and so this is an open conversation about Atlas Shrugged and kind of everything that, in, that encapsulates. I think we'll talk about some religion, some politics, kind of some both sides of the aisle there and uh, open it up. So, um, Anything else you want to add to that? Um, the only other thing I would add is um, because uh, th this book, by the way, if you haven't read it, is very polarizing. There are people on both sides of it. And I think both of us wanted to stress ahead of time that um, I, I do not believe in everything in this book. A lot of things in this yeah. book, I do believe in. Um, and it's interesting. One of the things I want to dive deeper in in this conversation I'm excited for, and I told you on through Voxer, I was like, I was like, what's fascinating to me is not like, this is what we should believe. What was fascinating to me is as I was reading this book, and we'll, we'll get into the premise of the book for those who haven't read it, but you know, the big thing is like producers and like, and going out there and like creating stuff and doing things, which is like what entrepreneurs do. Right. And, and it even gets to the part of like, like greed is good. Like you should be greedy because it's going to create all these, these amazing things, which, which then does the byproducts really good. And part of me is like, yes, 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 yes. And then part of me as a, as a believing Christian is like, I, I hear this message I believe in. And I hear in my mind ringing Christ talking about faith, hope, charity, and love. And like, and I feel like there are these two polar opposite things, which, by the way, when we dive into politics a little bit, like there are two polar opposite sides, one that believes one, one believes the other. And I think that there's there's a happy medium. And that's what I want to dive deep into is because I don't want anyone thinking like, oh, Russell and Josh, just believe this or whatever. It's like, yeah. no, there, there's there, there's sides of this. And I empathize on both sides. I want to talk about both of them because they're fascinating. And I think I've uh, anyway, I've I've, I've toyed like writing a book about this concept, these two things. I, anyway, I think it'd just be fun to kind of. First time verbally ever talk about yeah. that. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, and I, I would just echo that as well. Um, I think one of the things that often happens with me with uh, my, it's so funny. You who never, ever <laughs> talks about politics and me who doesn't know how to get on Facebook without arguing about politics, um, colliding here, but is that a lot of times I get like grouped into, oh, you like this reading, therefore you believe with like everything. Like you read this book or you like support this person or whether it's, you know, a political figure or uh, a book or something like that. It's like, by saying that you enjoy that or that you learned a lot from it, that like all of a sudden, like you suddenly believe everything in it. And that is not the case at all. And I've gotten a lot of criticism from you know, people that are like, how could you possibly like Atlas Shrugged? And I'm like, well, this is the conversation that we're gonna have. So real quick, before we dive in, I'd be curious, I wanna do a poll real quick. How many of you guys yeah. have actually read the book? I'm, I'm curious to know, yeah, hold it up here. Um, there's two different versions of it. But uh, if you've read the book, just comment below. Just the number one, if you have read the book. The number two, if you have not read the book. I think that'll just kind of give us a, a poll. And we got like two, three hundred people. We'll count that as reading too. Yeah. So either way. Yeah. If you like, not if you like know the premise of the book, but like actually have read the book and like have a, a deep understanding of it, or not deep understanding. Just like have, understand have, have, the stories have, yeah, and the, yeah, things like that. Because I think that'd be the interesting. So one is um, read. One is read. Two is not read. Oh, more ones than I thought it was going yeah, to. Me too. Russell's book is so underrated. We're fifty-fifty. Ooh. Oh yeah, I think we should take a poll at the end. What's better, uh, Atlas Shrugged or .com Secrets? <laughs> that, that, that's, the, that's the real question we should be asking right now. That would be, right good. That would be uh, good. Okay, so we have a lot of people that have not read it, so we'll have to go into the premise of that. Okay. Um, you ready to start it, dude? Yeah. We're just rock and roll with it. Oh, okay, um, guys, we want to lay a couple ground rules, okay? Because Russell, I don't know what it's like to be Russell. Russell doesn't know what it's like to be me, but like I think we both have a mutual understanding that we could very easily be taking out of context here. Um, I think the goal, and then I want you to kind of expound upon this, is like, we're not trying to take a side here. 
We're trying to have open discussion about it. Like this could very, very easily turn into something that's like, why you should over Trump? Why Biden sucks? Why Biden's great? Why Trump sucks? Or, you know, something like that, or like certain religion, or we're not trying to convince you of anything really. In fact, this is honestly more of a conversation for us. And we're like, we think it'd be cool to stream it out to a bunch of people because it, there's a reason for me to fly out here and do that. But the purpose of this is to have an open discussion about the book, the premise of the book, like an understanding of it. And then like, honestly, we're probably going to like be in our own little world over here. And we want you guys to like interact and comment and like engage and like post your questions and we'll go back through it obviously. But like the purpose of this is not to try to convince anybody of anything. It's simply to, at least from my perspective, shed a new perspective and like give the perspective of somebody who, you know, for those of you that don't know who Russell is, I mean, founder of a click funnel is a billion dollar company, uh, you know, uh, SaaS company, you have 400 employees, 400 employees. So like, from that perspective and like from my perspective, like to open your eyes, to like a new perspective of what, like what we like, what we don't like. And like I said, more of a conversation like for us. Yeah, I think it's good. And I think, um, yeah, like I think a big thing that we will talk about is that our goal is not to convince you of anything. In fact, I think I, I'm so convinced myself of both sides, right? Like I believe both <laughs> these two, uh, you know, things that seem contradictory, but I think there's a middle ground and I'm excited to explore it. So it'll be fun. Cool. So I think we, uh, I think we got to talk about the premise. Of the yeah, book. we got to talk about the premise. Um, I might have a little mini statue behind me that might help. Can Ooh, I, can I grab yeah. It? All right. Actually, I got two. This is another one right here. Oh, that's, I didn't even realize that was that. That's Alex holding that one too. Okay. So those who are not read Alice Shrugged, I didn't know what the, the premise was at first, but this is the story of Atlas. So you guys know Atlas was cursed to be able to uh, have to hold, carry the entire weight of the universe, the entire weight of the world upon his shoulders for forever, right? And um, and so this is where the premise of the book, like, like all of us, right? People who are listening to this, my guess is you are a producer, right? Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be listening to me or to Josh. Like <laughs> um, I attract, I teach, I coach, I help producers, entrepreneurs, people who are trying to change the world, right? I'm curious how many of you guys have ever felt this pressure, right? Where you feel like you literally have the entire weight of the world upon your shoulders. And if you haven't, like, like, like it's time to become a producer. Like, <laughs> that's first off. Second off, like I can, I can empathize. Like I, there's so many times you can ask Dave or any guys on my team, there's days I come in, I was like, I feel like I'm going to crack. Like there is so much weight to carry this around. And I think I'm guessing most of us have felt that it could be with your family, it could be in work, it could be business, like whatever it is, but you felt the weight of the world. Right. So this is what Atlas had to, 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 um, to hold. Right. And, um, and so the premise of the book, uh, Atlas shrugged is what would happen if the producers, the people that are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, what happens if they were to go on strike and they were to shrug their shoulders and be like, Meh. in fact, should I read their tile you gave me? Yeah. Today? So Josh has a gift. They gave me some amazing tiles. Uh, this is uh, a quote from, uh, for actually from the book, uh, Atlas Shrugged, um, talking about this. It says, if you saw Atlas, the giant who holds the world on his shoulders, if you saw that he stood, blood running down his chest, his knees buckling, his arms trembling, but still trying to hold the world aloft with the last of his strength and the, great, uh, the greater of his efforts, the heavier the world bore down on his shoulders, what would you tell him to do? To shrug. Mm. So that's the thing. Like, what happens to society when us, the producers, when we cannot no longer want to hire, carry the way of the world, we shrug and we walk away from it. And um, the book is 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 a story about that. Like, what happens when these producers start disappearing and they start leaving, they start going on strike. You see society. What happens when when the producers disappear? Yeah, I think that's. So it's interesting because there is no one named Atlas Shrugged in the book, and there's nobody named Ayn Rand in the book, and so. There's concepts that she's writing about outside of that. And it's this, how do you summarize a 1200 page book? Like, <laughs> it's like, all right. So basically, basically in the book, there is a main character by the name of Dagny. Oh, oh. yes. Oh, I say the John, they John oh. Beer, yes, but Dagny's main for the first, sorry, for the first two thirds of the book, uh, the, the main character is, uh, uh, a woman by the name of Dagny. And basically she is one of the producers of society. And, um, she 
is not the head boss of the railroad, but she's like basically the person that runs this railroad company. And it is written, what, 1950s when this was produced? So 1950, and it's basically like this forecast into the future of a government that is basically forcing uh, super, super strict restrictions onto private businesses and like making them do things kind of like today in America, um, but like super, super government overreach in a lot of ways. And so uh, um, Dagny is trying to keep the world afloat more or less by like getting the railroads done on time and like getting orders shipped. And I'm like super oversimplifying, but like around her, all the people that she worked with, like that owned all these other companies that like she would buy copper from or but she would buy steel from or buy the railroad track from or buy the coal from like all of a sudden they like all these like head people, like imagine like people like Russell Brunson, like all his friends like just start disappearing. Like imagine like Elon Musk and, and Jeff Bezos and, and Russell Brunson, like all of them just like start disappearing, right? Like that's what's happening all around her. And she doesn't understand like what's happening to them because just one day it's up and it's gone. And so the premise of the, the like the first two thirds of the book is like showing this story of this producer who is living in this world of like super government uh, tyranny, like overreach that's like super, super controlling. And she's watching all of her friends disappear and she doesn't know why. We say that's a pretty good explanation yeah. of it so far. And every time they disappear, like leave had a note or something that says, who is John Galt? So that's the theme throughout the book is who is John Galt? Like who is this John Galt person um, that, that makes all the producers disappear? And and every time, and so, and, and Dagny has no idea who John Galt is, right? And she doesn't even know actually for a while that she, that John Galt's actually even a real person. And so once she does find out that John Galt is probably a real person, like John Galt becomes like her sworn enemy because she like doesn't know who he is or like what he's doing. All she knows and all she associates with is that John Galt is taking away all these producers of society. It's making her life harder because like imagine you being an entrepreneur and like all of your entrepreneur friends that like you buy stuff from and that you send all your people to your referrals and like everything you buy all your supplies from. Like imagine they're like all just disappearing and you think it's because of this one guy who's like taking them all away and like you don't know what's happening to them. Like obviously they become your sworn enemy. And so if like for the first two thirds ish of the book. Like that's kind of this premise of like the painting this really, really vivid story of these, the, what do they call them? The great thinkers of society. Yeah. The great minds of society basically like disappearing and Dagny and there's a guy by the name of Hank Reardon. I think yeah, Reardon still. Reardon still. Yeah. So one of the, like Dagny and Hank Reardon are like, kind of like the two major ones left right before the, like the big plot twist happens and you're like, Oh, and then you get introduced to John Galt. I want to let you, playing John Galt now. Oh man. Okay. So that's the first two thirds of the book, by the way, there's movies don't watch and it'll ruin. Yeah. The, the, the movies yeah. Really yeah. Good. Read the book. So two thirds, two thirds in the book, she starts trying to figure out this, this mystery of who's John Galt. She ends up finding him and, um, turns out that he has been going around and getting all these producers to go on strike, convinces them that like, look, it's not worth fighting for anymore. Um, all your incentives are gone. Like let's leave, let's go on strike. And they, and they leave. And, um, and they, you know, John Galt's trying to get her to leave. And she's like, I can't, I have to do everything in, in my power. So the last third of the book is her you know, leaving John Galt's presence and going back and trying to figure out how to do this thing. And she's watching just the government regulations getting harder and harder and harder and harder to the point where everyone just has to disappear. And one of the things that John Galt and the people say, like, when the lights of New York go out, then we'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll rebuild society from the ground up after the looters and the, the people are gone. And that's basically how the book ends is the lights of New York goes go out. And, and, and then for, for a lot, for such a long book, also just ends. You're like, Oh my god! Yeah, you're like, one more chapter. Come on, like just end it, and we're never gonna get it. Ah, so well, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll write it. Yeah. yeah, um, but so like that's like the storyline of the book. But where I think we really both want to focus here is kind of the premises, uh, and like the the overarching um, ideas that like the book presents, and um, capitalism versus socialism, and I think we'll talk religion and and 
politics and kind of everything that's in that. But I kind of want to, if it's all right with you, like, I kind of want to like turn the conversation more like towards us now and just kind of like start geeking out um, just about that. So like, guys, like we'll obviously go back and by the way, we want like all your comments. If you're actually comment below right now, like, where are you watching? Are you watching it on YouTube? Are you watching it on Think Different Theory page? Or are you watching it on Russell's page? Like comment down below because we're even to multiple different locations. Uh, so we have a uh, bunch of different people tuning in for everything. So just comment down below, like leave your comments, leave your questions, like smash the like button, love button, like share this out. Uh, and we're going to kind of turn this here. All right, Russell. What's up? Hey, man. All right. Dude, I've been wanting to, and I hate this terminology, but like just pick somebody's brain like yours for the longest time and like this book. Oh my gosh. So give me like, what do you like about the book? Like what, what was your favorite thing? Yeah. So, well, let me tell the backstory. So I, um, uh, I didn't realize this was 2008 when the, when the markets all. Ooh, hold on. Let me move the camera. Pull back in. Okay. Yeah. So that I can be a little bit. That way, we, I can kind of sit at the corner of this table. Hey, that's much better. Cool. Right, cool. So, 2008 is when the market crashed last time, right? And I yeah. realized that that year, uh, over 500,000 copies were sold organically by people talking about it, like talking about this is everything she's prophesying is happening right now. And so, back then, I remember all my entrepreneur friends like, you have to read this book. Have to like, it was the word of mouth buzz to sell 500,000 copies of a book that's been, you know, the the author died, whatever, 30 years earlier. Yeah. You know that there's not active marketing out there. Like, it's just it's crazy. And everyone's talking about like what's happening in this book has happened in 2008. And it was just like, it's like prophecy now was being fulfilled. And so everyone in 2008 was telling me to read this book. I remember buying it. And uh, I was like, this is a really, really big book. <laughs> and I kept trying to get it. Tried. It took me a while to get into it. And I could never get into it. I read, I read the first, I don't know, first two or 300 pages, like four or five times. <laughs> and then finally this summer, um, I went on my very first trip where I didn't bring a laptop since my marriage. So my wife is very proud of me. Dang. And, uh, and so as I was leaving the office, I grabbed this book and I picked it up and I was like, I have no computer, but I got this one. And usually I bring like 20 books just because I never know what I'm going to read. I just brought one and I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to be forced. I'm on a lake for a week and a half with my kids and all I can do is read this book. So I brought it, got the audiobook as well. I'm, it's funny, you do, I do the same way. I listen to audiobook and I read along. Um, yeah. So I can listen to it way faster that way. And, uh, and I started going through it. It took me a little while. She does such a good job of character development in the very beginning. It took a while to get into it. And yeah, then, for then sure. The story hits, and then you're just like, you it's like thing after thing after thing. It's so cool. Oh, yeah. And it got crazy. And so for me, it was interesting because um, I think if I would have listened to it 10 years ago or read it 10 years ago, I, I um, had never experienced any of, of the things they talk about in this book, right? Um, that now you don't have to worry better. about it. Yeah, you better. Um, I never experienced like government regulations and things like that, right? Or just those kind of things. And um, as ClickFunnels has grown from, from me and Todd to, you know, to our first, our first member to our first thousand, 10,000, hundred thousand member, you know, 400, 400, I don't know how many employees, a, a lot, 400 plus employees. Um, as it's grown, it's been crazy because you would think that like, all we'd be focusing on here inside of ClickFunnels is like the next feature in the app, the next thing, you know, and like there's a year where we had to spend an entire year just refactoring the software for GDPR compliance. Um, we have regulations that come in on on taxes and this, like just, it's constant. We're like most of the battles we fight ClickFunnels right now is not about like, how do we make this thing better for the customer? It's like, how do we protect our customers from the government? Like it's crazy. And like mm. there's so many regulations and things. And so like, I had been feeling this pressure. Um, some of you guys may have seen my uh, interview I did with Tony Robbins, or not interview, but uh, Tony Robbins an intervention with me last year in Fiji. Yeah, that uh, was fascinating. By the way. Oh, I'm so glad we captured that. Like it was a, uh, a really cool moment in my life. But if you listen in there, I talked about he was like, well, what, what do you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, but I like the pressure. Like, I love the game. So I love everything I'm doing. I love the people we're serving. But like, there's these other pressures that aren't the game, that aren't the people that are just like, they get so heavy sometimes where it makes me want to just walk away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and again, I didn't, I, you know, 
as I'm reading this book. Well, you hadn't and, read that the book at this I time. I hadn't read it yeah, yet. Yeah, okay. And as I'm reading this, where it's like, did you, you know, like, did you know anything about, like, no, like, you know nothing? Okay, okay. I didn't know what Atlas Shark meant. I was just like, oh, it's Atlas. I didn't know that. And it was like, when I read this title, like, what would you tell Atlas if this was happening to Shrug? And I was like, oh, that's why they call it Atlas Shrug. And then I remember feeling like, like vividly feeling the pressure of this calling, right? And how heavy it is. And there's so many times I wish like, okay, sometimes it'd be so nice to walk away or to, to shrug or whatever. And so like I instantly, like when, with Dagny's character, I was like, I feel it with Hank Reardon. Like I, I had so much empathy and like understood their characters. Cause like, I feel that so many times, mm-hmm. right? I just felt like Hank Reardon just wanted to invent his steel and put it out. That's all he cared about, right? For me, <laughs> you know, funnels are my art. Like, like I can't draw, but like funnels are my, that's my art and entrepreneurship. Like, that's my art. And so I just want to do my art. That's it. Like I, he just want to create still. And it's all these other things. And it's like, I just, I just want to do my steel. Like, how do I, you know, I just want to do my art. How do I, why do I have to deal with all this other stuff? And, um, and so as I'm reading this, like, I just had so much empathy for the characters. Cause I felt like I was the characters, even though it was weird. Cause it's railroads and stuff like right, that, right. But, you know, and I'm internet, but, um, I think that's why I really got into it. And then I got just curious, like, like what happens? Like, how does the story end? Because I'm in the middle of it. And if you, you know, you, depending who's listening, you may or may not have felt some of these pressures. Um, as you grow, you feel them. Like, like, uh, it's, it's interesting as, as ClickFunnels has grown, we talked about like, like the, the, the pressure that, that I feel today would have crushed me five years ago. Mm. Right. And it's like, you have to go through this thing. We build capacity, build handle the next set of pressure and build capacity and build capacity. And nowadays, like stuff happens daily. That's just like, man, that would have destroyed me five or six mm. years ago, you know? And so I think if you guys haven't felt that as you grow, as you continue to try to like get your message out and try to, to grow your businesses, or whatever, like the bigger you get, the more that pressure comes. Do you think and so with that? And I want to continue that because it's such a good conversation, but like with that, with the pressure, the things that are happening now, like daily, that would have like wrecked you five years ago or three years ago, like whatever it was. Do you think it's good though, that that they did wreck you back or that, that they would like, is, is it good that at the capacity that you understood that those, you took those things seriously then, or would it have been better for you to just like be in this mindset? Like, I know it's not possible, <laughs> but like looking back, like if you could like snap your fingers and back then would have had the mental capacity just to ignore all of those things and like go up with would that have been a good thing? Or like the fact that you went through all those things, is that, does that help? Going through it is what makes you worthy of the things, right? Being like able to. ready for it. Otherwise it's like lifting weights. Like you try to squat 800 pounds. You're, <laughs> Like, that's what it feels like, right? Your legs buckle and you die. But because you went through that things, you're able to have the capacity to, to hold the weight. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I think for me, that was the big thing is reading this. And so I was just like fascinating. So I was like, this is kind of my story. Like, what, how does it end? How you long know? did it take you to get through it? Um, um, I said about two months. I got a lot of it done the boat and then I got into biking for a little while. So I was like, listen to it. I mean, biking. That's right. Let's get biking and biking. Like one more chapter, one more chapter. I got, I got really good shape it's funny because you know one of the one of the premises and um they, they don't really say they don't say greed is good but there's a chapter i think it's called greed and i remember if you guys have ever seen wall street uh gordon geckler talks about greed is good and and i never understood that that premise right in the book they start talking about like how how like greed is what drives this whole thing is it called greed uh, i'm trying to find it there's so many chapters it's towards the end because i was i was on a on the green belt uh, with the utopia of greed utopia of greed yeah and then anti-greed so yeah. utopia of greed and then anti-greed so what's interesting is because um, we're taught, all of us are taught that greed is bad, right? Like that's just like, you shouldn't be greedy. Like that's a, I think a principle that's instilled in most of us. But then I think about, for me, when I started this business, why did I start this business? I want to make money. Yeah. That's greed, right? You think about any of us, like we go through a phase in all of our lives that, that greed is the driving factor, right? Yeah. When I wanted to become a good wrestler, 
I wanted to become like, it was, I want, I want to become a good wrestler. It's greedy. Yeah. I went and got coaches and spent all my time to be, and I, I became, I was in a very selfish time in my life. Not that it's bad, but it's a very greedy time, right? Um, kids, when they're first born, like I love my kids. They are so not in a bad way, but they're greedy. They, it's about them, right? Right. And um, it's this growth phase where growth, you have to be greedy during the growth phase, right? When you're trying to learn, you're being, you're sucking things in, you're learning, and you're you're not contributing it. You're just learning, you're growing. And um, and it was interesting because as I'm going through this, I'm like, the greed is what got me into business, right? And it's what got these things started. And then the byproduct of that is jobs were created and things like all the byproduct of it is like. I think in the book, how it justifies like, like Hank Reardon going after he wanted to build a steel and make a bunch of money, created tens of thousands of jobs and changed the world and changed all these things. And so the, the premise in the book is that greed is this driving force that gets you, gets you moving. And it is like, if you think yeah. about any aspect yeah. of your life from sports to education, to business, to everything, like it starts with greed. Now we'll go deeper in this. I, I don't want to ever think that I'm just into this further <laughs> because there's a transition point. We'll talk about it in a minute, but there's a transition point from greed to, from growth to contribution that happens. Yeah. But, it, but that's in the book where I start talking about that. And um, I remember I was on the green belt here in Boise, riding my bike with James P. Frill, listening to this when I'm reading that, listening to that chapter. And, um, and I was trying to think like, is this, is this true? Like, like, did I get started because of greed? And it's like, yeah, I didn't start a business. I want to change the world. Eventually right. that happened, but it wasn't like it was greed was this, was the driving force that, that moved me forward. I think it moves all of us forward such a long time. And I was, as I was, listening as I'm riding my bike, I'm like, yes, I understand this. And then the other half of me was like, I started thinking about uh, my spiritual upbringing, right? Yeah. I'm very Christian. Uh, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints. Um, and I, and I started thinking about Christ and his teachings, which are like, honestly, the opposite of that, right? It's like really the polar opposite, Yeah, which is, it's funny when you, whenever you say that, um, people are like, you know, Jesus was a socialist. I hear that a lot. I'm like, you need to read the Bible. But um, <laughs> anyway, but like, I think but he lot, definitely is way more liberal leaning. 100%. Right, right. And I think that that's where Republicans, conservative, like traditionally on that side of the aisle, like fiscally Republicans uh, get into trouble is like, we're like, yeah, we're, we're Christians, but like, we just want to get rich. And like, they never talk about like all the stuff that like people like to use Christianity, I feel like as a, like when it's convenient. And they don't, we call it cafeteria Christians, right? right? They pick and choose the things off the menu they want. Right. And then, <laughs> then they go through and do it. So I, I definitely want to dive further into that, but continue down that, continue that. Yeah. So that, that sort of this question in my head though, of just like, so is greed bad then, or is it good? Or like, where does it fit in the whole grand scheme of things? Because it is something that's instilled at all of us from birth, right? When you're born, you're a baby. If you didn't have greed, you would just die, right? It's me. Like I need some food. I need food. I need love. I need shelter, right? which makes you cry, which gots, <clears throat> creates people coming to you. Like it's, it's greed is this driving force that's instilled in humans from, from birth, right? Like when we come here, greed is what, what helps us survive the first part of our life. And, um, and at first I was having this like conundrum. I'm just like, God, like, is this book evil? Like, <laughs> myself, right? But I'm like, but all the good things in my life that happened, happened initially because of seed of greed started me on, on motion, right? Started me in momentum. And then I started thinking, uh, if you've read the Expert Secrets book. Which, um, if you haven't. You haven't, you must hate on. money. Come on, come on. No, but in the beginning of Expert Seekers book, I talk about this concept as well, where um, <clears throat> as an expert, there's, there's two phases we go through. The first is a growth phase, right? Like I want to be an expert in whatever you go through and you're, you're a consumer, right? You're consuming everything. And that's greed, right? And then there's this transition point where eventually you keep, you keep trying to grow, 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 right? Trying to learn everything. I'm going there. I'm listening to all the podcasts. I'm reading all the books. I'm growing, growing, growing. And eventually uh, there, there's this, this point. I remember feeling it in multiple parts of my life. In wrestling, I felt it. In business, I felt it where... Where you can't continue, I guess it gets hard. Like the, 
your ability to grow through consumption slows to almost like a halt where you can't continue to grow. Right. And so for me, it's like, uh, for my, I've shared the story. I think I shared in the book <clears throat> with wrestling. It was like, I was, I was a really good wrestler. I was a high school state champ. I was in, uh, took second place in the nation. I was an all American. And my senior year, I got invited to go to a wrestling tournament and my wrestling or uh, not wrestling, a uh, wrestling camp. My coach is like, Hey, do you want to come coach wrestling this summer? And I was like, why would I do that? Like, I, like, what's in it for me? I'm sorry. I have is my mic. Can, can you guys, can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? Okay. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm just watching this over here. Just making sure. Can you guys hear me? All right. If you guys hear me, all right, then I'm not going to freak out about it, but I just want to make sure that we're at, we're not like accidentally missing like half their stuff. Okay, cool. Cool. Okay. Okay. I do want to, before you go on here, I want to ask yes. you something. Is this, so you're riding your, like riding your bike, chopper, like wrestling with this whole greed thing. Is this the first time that you've thought about greed in this way? Like, is this the first time? So you, like, and this is how long, this is what, six months ago? Um, not even that, probably probably through maybe four months ago. So you've built most of ClickFunnels, of what ClickFunnels is today, and now this is the first time like you're really sitting down and like wrestling with this idea of like greed, and is it bad, is it good, like what's the balance there, and stuff like that. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, it never crossed my mind, really. Um, and then I started, like, it became this thing where like it bothered me, because I'm like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> I don't want to be a greedy, per like, you know what I mean? Right. And I'm like, I don't feel like I am, but like, but I, but I was stuck, I couldn't figure that out, right? And so... I'll rewind to the wrestling story because I think yeah, it yeah. set it up. Yeah. But um, my senior year, so again, I had been growing as a wrestler. I was going to camps. I was getting coaching and I, I was greedy, right? I, I was sucking up everyone's brain power I could and I became a really good wrestler because mm -hmm. of it. And then uh, my, my coach asked me to go coach at wrestling camp. So I say, yes, go to the wrestling camp. And, um, and I remember he's like, okay, I need you to teach. Uh, my best move is cheap. Like I'm really good at tilts. So the wrestlers out there, I'm really good at cheap tilts. And he's like, teach these kids how to do cheap tilt. And I was like, okay, like, so I walk out of like 30 kids. I'm like, hey, you do this. Like, you just do it like that. And they all grab, they all look at me and they go try it. And they try to do cheap tilt and they all just fall apart. And I'm like, you're just dumb. Kids. Like, <laughs> it's not that hard. I'm like, come back in, come back in. No, you did it all wrong. That's how you do it. I show them again. Like, go do it. They go back out. Nobody can do it. And then also I'm like, gosh, like they're, they're missing something. And what is it? So I have them come back in. And I start breaking down. Like, hey, for the move to work, like your hips have to be here. Your legs have to be here. I start walking through all the things. And as I'm doing that, I start realizing like, oh, the reason why I'm able to do this is because of this. And I started realizing what I was doing as I was teaching people as I taught it to people then then the kids started doing it and they got better and better and all of a sudden I started realizing like oh my gosh like this movement works because of this and now that I was aware of the like the situation now I was able to like make these tweaks and stuff my own and and like I realized that by coaching other kids I like that was the next level growth it was the shift from like selfish greed growth mm. to contribution and so after that, I started coaching camps every year and that's how I started um I went from like slowing down my progression to like all of a sudden it sped back up again by shifting from growth to contribution. Okay. And so I think the same thing happens in business, right? I got in business because that seed of greed is in us. It gets us moving, gets us into momentum. And some people never get out of that. Some people live their entire lives chasing greed and they die and it's, it's a tragedy, right? But I think for most people, there's this transition point. I don't know where it happens. It happens in different spots for everyone where all of a sudden you realize you make the money, you start the business. And you realize how unfulfilling that is, right? You're, you're tapping out. You're like, I'm not growing anymore. Like, I thought I wanted money, but I don't. I want growth. Like, that's what we're here on this planet for is to get, is to grow as humans, right? And you don't get that. And all of a sudden you realize the money's not fulfilling, but then you start help, you start seeing the other people you're contributing to, how you're helping. And then it shifts to like, you know, we hear people talk about like, it's an my business about impact, it's about growth, it's about helping other people. And like, that's that transition. That's charity, love. That's pure love of Christ, right? It's that transition. But greed is the seed that gets us moving, right? And so there's this, there's this like this handoff. It doesn't happen all the time. And do you guys, are you guys cool if I get like like share scripture stuff? Because like 
100%. All this stuff is scriptural. Like it's, it's not just they don't get to decide, Russell. Okay. I get to decide. It's my podcast. <laughs> it's we need scriptures. Close your ears and go. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> so I wrote down some scripture. Like this is a scripture. So because it it it, it illustrates this point. Like I think it's so good. Also, so, I just want to say Ru- Russell Vox me, and he said that this is the first episode of a podcast that he's ever prepared for. And I just feel <laughs> like when you said that, I'm like, ha! I was the first for something for Russell. Let's go. <laughs> I want to be ready. Okay, so this is the scripture. <clears throat> it says. For the natural man is an enemy to God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever. And I'm stopping right there. Okay, so natural man is the enemy of God. Why is that? We're born. We have this greed inside of us. So we're, our, the natural human is the enemy of God because we're chasing after greed, right? But, but, but God gives us that seed because this creates momentum. It creates motion. It creates us doing something, right? And then it says in here, it says, <clears throat> for the natural man is the enemy of God and has been from the fall of Adam and will be forever and ever. And then this is, the, this is the transition point. Unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit. So he'll be eat, like, if he's greedy forever, right? Forever, and ever, unless he yields to the enticings of the Holy Spirit and putteth off the natural man and becometh a saint through the atonement of Christ the Lord and becometh a, as a child, submissive, meek, humble, patient, full of love, willing to submit to all things which the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon him, even as a child does submit to his father. So mm. <clears throat> growth is the seed, it's the natural man, it's the thing we have that, that that's, mm. it's good, right? God gives it to us because it gets us to do stuff, it gets us to learn, it gets us to not die in our crib, like because we need love and attention and get fed, right? It's the thing that gets us off our butts, off the couch, it's us being producers, it gets us moving. And if we're not careful though, the natural man will will destroy us. Like you see so many people who have made tons of money and they destroy themselves in their lives because they don't do that second thing, which is um, uh, unless he yields the enticing Holy Spirit. That's the thing saying, this is not about money. This is about the impact. Look at the people you're changing. And it shifts, right? If you make that shift, and all of a sudden now the senior creating is not about greed. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, like I remember for ClickFunnels, like when I had that transition, it's like when I started seeing Brandon and Caitlin Poland, I started seeing the ripple effect of their business. I started seeing, like, and I can name hundreds of people, like person after person after person. I was like, this isn't about money. This is about the ripple effect of what we've created each person's life. And like, now that's charity. That's love. That's like, now the mission isn't about money. Like we don't, care about them. Like we keep score with money, but like, but that's the mission is the people's lives and, and the impact. And I think that's that transition where it's like greed is the thing that gets us moving. But if we don't have that, I think that's happened in the book. We talked about like, you said this in my house earlier, like a lot of people in the book seem like they have a miserable life. And it's like, yeah, because they never yielded to the spirit. Like they never made that shift. It was all greed to the point where they let everything collapse as opposed to like, yeah. Side so of one of the things about the book and I'm, uh, I'm sitting on the plane, like on the way over here and I'm like, how do I articulate this? Because that's always the hardest thing. Like you have this idea in your head and you're like, how do I get it out and explain it in a way that somebody else can be like, yes, I understand that. But like most, and I'm going to go kind of political here for a second. I'm going to like bring it back too specific to the book. So like I am pretty vocally a conservative, right? I'm a blatant Trump supporter, uh, very much so uh, conservative when it comes to everything fiscal. But I call myself a libertarian because I actually think that I, I lean left on a lot of social issues. Like I am, I think the government should stay out of gay marriage, right? Like I should, like there's a lot of things that like I like lean left on, but when it comes to like money and like finances and like things like that, like I lean to the right. But like the reason I lean to the right and I typically go with the right is because like I like what the left is trying to do in concept, right? It's like, okay, there's a bunch of like people that are really truly in need. Like I agree, we like we need to help them. Problem is, is that the way they go about doing it, I like, so radically disagree with it's like against everything i stand for right i'm like it's not that i disagree with what you want to do is i disagree with how you want to do it yeah what's interesting is i feel like in this book i feel like it's like the opposite i actually don't agree with why they're doing it like this concept of like 
I mean, Hank Reardon says it like over and over again, like everything that I do is for profit. That is it. That is, it is not for you, even to his friends, right? <laughs> like he took a bullet for um, uh, John Galt, right? Like he gets shot and like John Galt thanks him for it. He goes, you know, I only did it because it's what I wanted to do, right? Like literally like <laughs> saves a guy's life. He's like, so it's like, it's, it's all about what he wants and only for him and that's it. And it's like profit and money and dollars. It's not about everything that he helps. And I'm like, I disagree with that premise. Like I don't, yeah. but the what that leads to, I actually do like. And I feel like it's flipped compared to like the light, the world that like I'm living in now. It's like half the stuff that the Democrats or I hate to, I don't need politics so bad, but like left the, and right. The left, yeah, the left. <laughs> Guys, we're going to say left and right generalized <laughs> here. All right. Oh my God. But like generally speaking. And so when it comes to like the whole, the whole greed issue, I'm like, it's interesting to hear your perspective. Like, cause I never, even throughout the book, I'm like, Greed is a bad thing. And like he hearing your perspective and like, like hearing what it says, I'm like, okay, like I understand what you're saying, but like what, like is it greed or is there some other driving? Like if, you, if I were to ask you a year ago, right? Or when were you in like the, the heart of ClickFunnels? Like a year and a half ago, two years? Like there was a time of your life with all you, and I know all you do is ClickFunnels, but like- <laughs> when, like six years of my life. But like, but you know what I mean? Like wasn't there like a, a year or two period in there, like in the growth phase where it was like 100% of everything you do is just like ClickFunnels, ClickFunnels, ClickFunnels. felt like you were going nonstop. It feels like you're a little bit more balanced now. Maybe not. But like it, <laughs> from the outside perspective, looking at it, it does. Anyway, yeah. like during that time, like of growing ClickFunnels, but like before you read that, would you have described yourself as greedy? No. What would you have described yourself as? Like, um, what's that word? Um, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question. Like I was always trying to create stuff. Like it's art for me, right? So it's like I was trying to create stuff. Um. But I think initially I was creating it for myself as opposed to like, oh my gosh, I create this for myself, but look what happens to, and to what, the people. What point was that shift for you though? Um, I think it, I mean, in, you can actually, if you, you can see it in my marketing, by the way. And by the way, for those who are greedy capitalists who only care about money, like it actually is a better marketing way too. Like my, my marketing went from- <laughs> For all you greedy capitalists out there, switch to being a contributor yeah. to make more money. Well, think about like my, my marketing was always like, here's Russell, here's how much money my funnel made. Here's how much, the, you know, it was me talking about me all the time. And I realized it's like this, like who cares about me? Like, I don't care about me. Like, let me show you what this person did. Like, let me show you all the results of, of, of the people we're serving Like, what's happening there, which first off is a better marketing. Second off, it's like, it's that transition, transition where I was literally like, everything I've accomplished is stupid. Like what they're doing, like, that's the real, like what we're doing, like, that's the thing that's amazing, right? Like that's the spiritual side of it. That's the thing where it's like the, the, the thing that got you into motion now is, is doing good in the world. And like, when you start seeing that, it's like, oh my gosh, like that. That's so much more fulfilling and so much more exciting. And, you know, people ask me last six years, like, why do you keep getting up? Do you need more money? I'm like, no, like, that's not why I keep getting up. But I can tell you a hundred stories of people who literally, like, the ripple effect of, like, how many lives they've changed because I did my thing, right? Like, Jamie, we, uh, we made a documentary of the Two Comma Club, and Jamie Cross has this whole part there where she's bawling her eyes out. And she said, where would my family be if Russell wouldn't have, have fulfilled his God-given uh, calling? Mm. And, like, every time I see that, I start bawling myself, I'm like... <laughs> Like that's why I eventually start doing it, right? But when did that shift happen? I don't know. It wasn't like a day that just happened. It just, it just, um, the energy of it shifted, right? It was just, it was like, I don't know. It was just, it, it gradually kind of happened. What's that? Yeah, Dave, Dave, come on in. Dave's got Dave's here. Dave, take the mic here. This yeah, is, no, is honestly, I think this has been one of the things. It's been fun for me to watch Russell from from the sidelines here. Yeah, I think honestly, it was your dad's 60th birthday. And how long? I don't even know. Three or four years ago, probably. But it was, it was the reflection on that. 
And it was the difference from having your hand raised mm. versus, because yeah, I remember you, yeah, so I'll tell let that you tell story. the story. That's a much better storyteller. I'll, I'll, I'll see the thought, but I'll let him finish. All right, all all right. thank you. Thank you, Dave. Interesting. Guys, we have a live audience here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, my dad turned 60 and um, we have our little family reunion every year we do. And so it was during his birthday. And I remember my mom, my mom gave him $60, 60, 10, uh, six $10 bills. And so just gave him one at a time. So, okay. First decade was like one to 10. Like, tell us something you remember about that. He's like, I don't remember anything back then. And the second one, he's like 10 to 20. That's when I was a wrestler. Like, mm. you know, it was so much fun for me. And then 20 to 30, it was like, okay, that's when like I was starting my business, trying to figure things out and trying to get our know, family stable. And 30 to 40, like that's when my kids were wrestling and I was, I was coaching them. And then 50 to 60, kind of went through everything. And then after it was done, I asked myself, with that of all the decades, like what, what one was the, the best for you? Thinking in my world, like the best was going to be like when he was a wrestler. Cause I was like, for me, the greatest part of my life was like when I was wrestling and my dad said the, the greatest decade is when I got to coach you. Um, and I remember, um, yeah, I remember, I forgot, I forgot that story until Dave said that, but I remember, um, coming back and telling Dave and other people that like, like, um, I always mm. thought like the, the best part was being the all-star for the, for my dad, the best part was like coaching other people and seeing, that was a good seeing interaction their hand there, Dave. Yeah. Huh. Which was, which was really cool. Um, Anyway, so yeah, that's that's interesting. Cool, because because like what I'm trying to uh, figure out. This is you know it's open discussion here. So like, I am a pretty motivated, driven person, right? <laughs> right? Like, um, like I would never have des have described what I was doing as greedy, yeah, right? Would you have thought that when you're an athlete? Would thought when you're yeah, a kid? no. But but what is it? Well, yeah, and that's why I asked you the question because I I don't know the answer for myself. Like, but, the thing, but, I, but I felt the same way because I I never liked it. it wasn't until I was reading the book and said it started the the utopia of greed. Yeah, yeah. And also I started thinking I'm like all these things we're doing like we call them growth, we call them whatever, which is awesome. But it is it's a greedy time in your life, right? Like, yeah. Um, I wonder what the definition, the actual definition of greed is. Yeah, I'm gonna look this up. Let's see. Hold on. Definition of greed. It has a definite negative connotation in our world today. Intense and selfish desire for something, especially money, power, or food. Yeah, food. <laughs> well, there you go. All right. Money, <laughs> money, power, or food. But for me, like, think, about, think about the lens of wrestling. When I was wrestling, mm -hmm. I had a selfish desire for I wanted to be a state champ, and I wanted to be an All-American, I wanted to be a national champ. Well, why? Because like, that was, why? I wanted my hand raised. Like, that was that's all I thought about. So I dreamt about Like I couldn't, like, I'm a very obsessive person that's why i don't gamble because i was like i put a quarter and i win i'm broke doesn't matter what I start with, it's <laughs> gone right and i know that about myself so like when i started wrestling and i got my hand raised the first time i was like that feels good i want to feel that every day for the rest of my life and i just went blinders on and that's all i did that was my i you know and i was like and again i would have thought it was as greedy but by definitions like a singular focus on these things like about yourself right then, I mean, now i'm in the phase of my life where i'm coaching wrestling coaching my kids and stuff like that and it's like it's different because now like there's nothing in it for you, right? So for seeing their hand raised and the light in their eyes go off and it's just like, oh, like that felt way better than, than my own. But you don't know that till you're yeah. in that phase. Did having kids change that yeah. for you at all? Like the, did it help solidify or give you a different perspective on that shift from greedy to... I think maybe not so much solidify as much as like I'm experiencing it now in, in multiple parts of my life, not just, not just the business part. Right. Hmm. Um, in a lot of part you think about like our success stories and our business are our children, right? The children of click funnels or whatever you want to say, you know, they're the people that have, that have come off it. So it's like, uh, I think I'm experiencing it now, uh, with them and it's, it's been interesting and fun and hmm. yeah. How long did it take you to finish the book? Uh, I think about two months. Oh, wow. 
Okay. You read it way faster. I was like, dude, that's funny. Well, okay. So it's one of those things. It's funny because my mom was like, have you even read the book? I'm like, what do you mean? You like, you made me read it in high, like in high school. Like what? <laughs> and I, I went back and I was like, oh, I didn't actually read. Like I knew the book. And so I assumed I had read it. And then I realized it was 1200 pages. And I was like, oh, I don't think I've, I don't remember reading a 1200 <laughs> no. page book. Like, I feel like I would remember that. And so I don't know like, if I, I gotta go read it right now. Cause Russell's going to be talking. Right. About it. Well, and that's exactly what happened. So it was like, oh, I'm going to like, we want to do this. Cool. And like, I, like I could have sat down and had the conversation without reading the book. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because like, I knew the, like I knew the concept of the premise. And so then I went through it and was like every night too, to ask yeah. me, I couldn't sleep. I'd get up and like, Oh man, it's three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> close the book, you know, go back, back in there. So I want to kind of interject because yeah. you started on that. I want to make sure we don't miss because I think it was, you started leading really good. There's something I want to wrap it. Cause it's like, it's an open loop in my head now. Okay. okay yeah. um, you start talking about how you agree on the left side of, social helping people but not the the way that they do it is that how right. you say yeah, yeah yeah okay so i agree with what they want to do yes. i don't agree with how they want to do it okay so yeah. this is something that was powerful so after i read the book i was like, geeking out and i'm like who is this ayn rand i want to see so i started searching her and i found an interview she did on donahue donahue 1980 like three months after her husband passed away and it was oh, fascinating dang. interview and if you guys know she she is um she's atheist does not believe in a god all these things like that right yeah, so she even like made a statement about how like no. Part of the reason that she wrote the book was to like to prove that religion was fake and like to yeah. like destroy all belief in any form. So once like, again, I don't, super this is this is not the Bible for me. This is just like a simulating book that just got my mind spinning. But one thing she said during the interview that was like so cool because Don he was like so based on this, you believe that we should all be producers and greedy and keeping all our money and we should never we shouldn't help anybody. And she's like, no, 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 that's not what I said. She's like, I never said that. She said what I did say is that it should not be the government coming to you with their guns saying, give me your 50% of your taxes. Mm. Like that's the, that's what's messed up, right? You think about this, like if you give a gift, like if someone comes to you and gives you a gun, like, hey, give your, give your, uh, your friend a gift. Like, are you actually giving them a gift? <laughs> no, you're not. And that's like, yeah. if you don't pay the taxes, they put you in jail. Like that's the thing. She said, should people should go and support people on their own, right? This is, this comes back to, this is the whole thing talking about before, like the natural, natural man's enemy to God, uh, an enemy to God and has been, you know, for Fallout, less yields enticing the Holy Spirit. So us yielding saying, hey, I have all this money. I should go help other people with this. That's the that's God saying, you should not be greedy. Use what you've been blessed with and help other people's lives, right? Mm -hmm. Them coming to you with a gun saying, pay your taxes, you go to jail is not you giving a gift. Like it's them taking it from you and giving it away. So like, yeah. you're not a better person because you did it, right? So, um, and then we can get into the whole depth of like, this is the government now who's the, the, the worst run organization in the history of all time, which only ran on that, but that's like, do you want to trust them with the money? Right. And so I, I just want to share a practical example. So, cause people are like, well, you wouldn't give money if you didn't, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, right now I'm taxed more than 50%. So more than half my income goes to uncle Sam, right? And he's doing whatever the crap they well, do. You just it. need some cash flow tactics. Which, yeah. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I have no idea. I don't do my tax. But you know what I mean. <laughs> um, that's the tax bracket. So, um, um, but then you look at like, like, when you yield enticing Holy Spirit. So there was a time when my friend Stu McLaren is like, hey, um, we're building schools in Kenya and this is mission and we believe in it. Will you help? Right? It wasn't greedy rustling. Oh, I'm going to help and this is going to be awesome. Yeah. I felt something. I was like, oh my gosh, that is a great cause. Yeah. Here, let me, how can I support you? Right? In that process, you see here's pictures of Stu and Amy in Kenya. We've been to Kenya four times now. We've donated money. We built schools. Like that is a gift versus like, give us money so we can go do something with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, I heard about operation underground railroad and I was like, Oh my gosh, I felt the spirit saying, this is a good cause. You should serve. You should do this thing. 
right? And I put time and energy and money into this thing. We raised multiple millions of dollars now to save children from sex slavery, right? And not everyone's willing to do that, right? Like, again, there's a segment of people that will, it comes back to your like, um, natural man's enemy God will be fallen by Adam and will be forever, forever. Like, a lot of people never get off the greed boat. But most people, as you start making more and more money, you look at anybody, look at Bill Gates, look at Elon Musk, anyone who's making much money, what do they do with their money? Eventually, they start giving it to charity, start helping people, like all these things, because there's that, that transition point where, where you feel that you hear the voice, you hear God, whatever you want to call it. It's like, like you should be serving more. And I think I know that if my tax went from 50% to 20% to 10% or whatever that thing was, I would and could give so much more and everybody could. Right now it's half the money goes to organizations that what's happening with the money. Do we know? Do we see any yeah, yep. ledger of what's happening? I no, mean, it's insane. Even uh, Bill Mayer, who, do you know Bill Mayer? I know who he is. I don't know. Okay. I mean like stupid. I mean like super left, right? I mean like, definitely would not align with our political views or your political views or my political views. But even him is like, I have no idea what my tax dollars are going to. Like, I, I have no idea where my millions of dollars that I pay in every, every that's scary. That crazy. It, well. Like only the government. It's crazy. Oh okay. And then they look, look at like, sorry, this is a plug for OUR and Tim Ballard. Like Tim Ballard, I know does not take a salary. His payment for being CEO of Operation on Ground Road and risking his life day in and day out is $0 they pay him. He funds it himself. Like all, all of the money he makes is from his books, his speaking, other things he does externally to pay for himself because he doesn't want to take money from the organization saving kids. Whereas can you say that about any of the government? Like, yeah. no, it's insane. It's anyway, but yeah. So for me, it's like- Somebody's going to mention that Trump takes $0 salary in there. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but for me, it's like, that's, that's my big thing is just like understanding that um, I think that there's, there's this blend of left and right. Like, right. There's like, if we're not producing, like- the fact that I'm going to wake up every morning and kill myself, even though I have more money than I'm ever going to need, has now we have 400 plus people who have full time jobs here. Excuse me, full time jobs here at ClickFunnels. There's 100 and, what's the number? 144,000 people who have active ClickFunnels accounts. Who uh, each of those people, if they have, if they had one employee, it's 144,000 jobs, right? If they have two to three. I mean, it's, you're looking at it's probably half a million to a million jobs have been created because of ClickFunnels because we get up every day and we're you know we we're chasing thing, we're producing, 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 right? And it's like if you take away the incentives of that, like I'd have to left half my staff and we have left, which then things shrink and everything starts disappearing really quickly where it's like, if they took that away. It's like, now we can go and how much more good can we do? And we did the OUR. Um, we talked about OUR and show the document from Hacking Live. And since then, I don't know, four or five dozen people who were in our community show the OUR document at their events and made money. And it's like this ripple effect keeps growing, growing, yeah. and growing versus the other side where it's just, it just shrinks. And anyway. okay. So I want to get non-specifically political here though, for a second <laughs> with, with kind of with this and I don't want to say play the devil's advocate. I just want to understand like your thoughts on this. So the argument on the other side, if you will, right? The the people that are more traditionally like higher tax bracket, like, you know, you should be taxed even higher, right? Like we want to take more of your money away because it's this. Basically the thought process is like, listen, you have donated your money to Kenya and to Operation Underground Railroad and like things like that. But get like, guess what? There's probably like people here in your own community, like in Boise, like for example, right? Or like wherever these entrepreneurs are that like you have millions and millions of dollars. Like there's people that are homeless or there's people that can't afford medical, you know, like medical payments. So there's people that are like genuinely need help. And so like the argument is, is like, okay, like, yeah, like you've given some, but like you have so much of it. Like you could do that and be taxed higher, right? Like we could take even more of your money and like your life wouldn't change it at all. And we're also like not talking about your business money. We're only talking about profit. Like we're only going to take like that part of it away. And so like the argument on the other side is, is if collectively, and I'm just going to make up a number here. Let's just say there's like 10,000 entrepreneurs like you in America that are worth, have millions of dollars in, or billions of dollars. I know you don't have billions, but like billions of dollars. We could like take all that money 
And hypothetically, we could solve a lot of these issues, right? We could talk, tax the top 10 richest people, like whatever. Why doesn't that work? Mm. Like, or, or A, I guess this is a two-part question. A, are you, are you, a, A, why doesn't that work? And B, what is your solution for that, if any? Like, what's your perspective, like your view, like how that would help? Yeah, well, I think. Or can you not help everybody? Uh, oh, this is the fun part of politics, right? It's tough. And, and um, I'll preface this before we dive into the actual question. But like, it's tough because there's good on both sides and there's bad on both sides. Like, that's the hardest thing, right? And um, and so that's that's the hard thing is is you argue both ways. But, um, you know, it's, it's me as, so let's say me as an entrepreneur, because I only know experience in my own self, right? Right. I know what I pay in taxes every single year. I know how much goes away. I know how much I make. And it's tough because like um, the more, like the, the less you make for the more you work, the less incentivized you are to keep working, right? Like my take home was a hundred grand a year. I'd be like, well, why am I killing myself? Right? Like I could, I could work three hours a day and, and make that. So why would I keep doing this stuff? Right? Like if there's no, if there's no reward, then that's, it, it's hard, right? It's like, what's the purpose of, of doing any of this stuff? Right. Um, and it'd be really easy to then shrink back and company shrinks, employees shrink, like everything shrinks because there's no incentive for us to, to risk everything. Right. Like it's, it's a, it's a risk reward thing. So that, that's a big part of it. Like, how do you solve it? I don't know. I don't think this, the, the solution is the government coming with a gun and saying, give us half your money so we can go solve this problem. I think it's like, man, what, what are the things that you're interested in saving? Like, what are the things that, that touches your heart? What are the things that you're inspired to actually help? For me, it's Kenya. For me, it's this. For me, it's there's other things that we give money to that I don't talk about publicly. Um, but there's things that like, like, what are the things I care about? Like, let me focus there because everyone's got different, different agendas, right? Like I had um, uh, Matt Maddox, someone who I, you know, Caleb Maddox's father, he's a super awesome guy, came to me and he's like, hey, my mission is to uh, save these kids off the streets and this stuff, you know, all these kind of things. I was like, that's amazing. Like, can you help me? I'm like, like, that's not my calling. My calling are these things here. That's your calling, dude. I respect it. I support it. Like, I'll help you with money or whatever I can do to help. But that's your calling. Like, God gave you that. Like, that was the thing that, that you were given. Yeah. That's the mantle you're in charge of. And everyone's got a different mantle. So, like, your calling is to be different than mine. Like, like people come all the time. Like, oh, like, that charity's cool, but I would support this. Like, good. I don't care who you support. Right. Like, everyone's got different callings, and they're all good. Like, so I think we should be able to say, like, what's the thing that speaks to our heart and thing that we're, that we're passionate about? And that's where we should focus our time and our energy and our money on. Um, not again, don't come with a gun saying, give me a 50% because I think it should go over here. Like, that's so, well, but what about the people though, that like, let's pretend. And I have guys, I love Elon Musk. I'm going to use him purely as an example. Clearly I have no idea what he does with his money, but let's pretend, right? So Elon Musk makes all his money. Like what if he wasn't charitable? Like should the government or anybody be able to come in and be like, yo, you have so much money, right? Or Zuckerberg, or like, you have so much money, right? Like we're gonna, like, you got, I don't know, he's worth $90 billion. Let's say he has $3 billion in liquid cash. I'm just hypotheticals here, right? Like you got $3 billion, like literally sitting here. We're gonna take that away. And we're gonna give you, like you can have 500 million of it, but we're gonna take 2.5 billion and like give it to people that actually need it. Like, do you think that there needs to be some um, overriding law or power or something that's like, yo, you can't just hoard. You gotta, like you gotta, if you have more than enough, like you gotta go and give it back. Or do you think that's a personal choice? I think it's a personal choice. Um, because think about how many how many jobs has he created? Like he's giving that stuff, and this is the reward for the that's the risk and reward side of things, right? And like his three billion, let's say, like what's his next thing? Like he's not just gonna sit on it. Like that's stupid for him, for anybody, right? right. It's like he's gonna go invest in the next thing, he's gonna create more jobs, do more things to so stimulate the economy in different ways, right? 
Like he's going to go and start PayPal and he's going to start Tesla and he's going to start sending rocket ships to the space. Like, <laughs> you know, like a producer's going to produce because they want to produce. Like it's the art for them, right? It's so like, let them create art because the byproduct of art is jobs. It is stimulation economy, all those things happening. And so it's like, for me, like building funnels is my art. I couldn't care less about the revenue that comes from it. Like 